The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. Folks, we're about to get into a wild episode here. If you are not already a Patreon subscriber, this is a good one to start out on. I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Head over to patreon.com slash Dangerous World Podcast to get full versions of all the episodes that are on Dangerous World Podcast here for only $3. You get bonus episodes for $5 and then uh, you know full access for only $10. Guys, appreciate that very much. Dangerous World Podcast on patreon.com also the merch store you have dangerousworldstore.com get all your t-shirts get your stickers support the show in that way if you choose if not just leave a five-star review that's the easiest freest quickest way that you can help the show grow and you can also tell a friend or two about it i want you to annoy your family and by just non-stop talking about conspiracies and the shit that you learn on this show here okay so with that being said this is a extremely, extremely fun episode. Enjoy the show, guys. Well, all right, folks, this is going to be a pretty darn interesting episode, something a little different to change the pace and maybe offset some of the uh, deep, dark geopolitical stuff that I was talking about last episode. Well, solo episodes are pretty fun, for sure. Um, just to kind of switch things up, push myself a little bit. Um, and then, you know, looking into all that Safari Club stuff was real interesting. There was one connection I didn't make that I wanted to point out real quick is that uh, Obama's dad, also by the same name, Barack Obama Sr., was a Kenyan politician. And that's significant because the whole Safari Club property was based in Kenya. So that was just an interesting connection that I missed somehow. Um, but also, this is the first episode that the show's doing since the Texas shooting, this weird, weird tragedy where this kid was supposedly poor and but he had like a seventy thousand dollar f-250 pretty new from what i understand if not very brand new and then some very expensive guns so yeah he's an 18 year old living at home and uh you know he had his own job and shit like that but i don't understand how this kid has so much money um and not only that but you know he was picked on by high schoolers and then went and shot some elementary school kids None of it makes sense, and there is something that I'm going to be looking into a little more, which is called Operation Deep Dream, if I'm not mistaken, and this is a Google 
program that is supposedly like mixing uh, hypnosis with artificial intelligence. So it's something really weird that we're going to be getting into here. I might tap into my buddy Shannon, who actually makes an appearance later in this episode really quickly to tell us about a Freemason entity, um, supposedly an eighth generation human known as Tubal Cain. And this guy is um, essentially the first blacksmith ever. So he talks about some really interesting stuff. And Shannon brought this to my attention. So big shout out to him. They still do shout outs, right? I think that's cool. It's not dumb to say shout out. Um, this is like the old like in 90s or 2000s radio. It's real, uh, real hacky. But I have some help on this episode. Okay. Um, you may know her as the BlackRock intern. You may know her as uh, people, a person that misquotes Metallica songs. When am I or, ever going to live that Shut down? up. You haven't been introduced. Or you may know her as Kim, which is her uh, real Christian name. And uh, she did some good work on this. You know, a lot of work to research for an entire episode like this, especially when, as you would say, it's been scrubbed widely off the Internet. Now, I've been, you know, trying to crank out two episodes every week. Um, It gets tough when you're just straight up researching and you got a full time job and all this shit. So as I'm doing my normal thing. You know, we came across. How did we come across this? Well, I was watching one of those weird TV shows that you somehow pay attention to that catches your eye. Um, what in the world or something? And they had this, you know, zoomed out look of a military fortress with a tower on top. And it turned out to be the Rock of Gibraltar. And they casually mentioned that, oh, by the way, you know, there's a bunch of data servers hosting a bunch of online gambling casinos in the middle of that rock. No biggie. And that's all they said. I was like, wait, what? There's a bunch of data servers inside an old military base. That's a little weird. What do they do? And so I looked into it and it's pretty crazy. Yeah. And you've been looking into it for quite some time. We sort of started this uh, actually two or three weeks ago looking into it. And and it just got more intense and more intense. And then you just blew my mind today. Yeah. How about that? I mean, there was a really interesting thing that we came across, which we'll definitely make sure is uh, something that y'all can hear. Um, I don't know if we should run through a little quick, quick history from the Gibraltar website. Do you think that that's fitting just for people that may not know? Um, If you want to like run through the battles that took place in all the centuries, because that's pretty much the only thing that I didn't write down is how Gibraltar has been fought over for literal centuries. Yeah. Well, I'll just go off this, this site here. Um, It seems like a pretty legit source. It's the uh, Jib museum. GI. And it's just the history. So this is long. Um, I'll rifle through this real quick, though. So the Rock of Gibraltar is a Jurassic limestone mountain, basically, formed from the shells of tiny sea creatures, which compacted layer upon layer on the seabed some 200 million years ago, between 60 and 20 million years ago, movement of Earth's tectonic plates uplifted these layers of rock to their present position where they've been shaped by the sea and weather to give the Rock of Gibraltar the iconic form that we recognize today. And there's a lot of weird shit going on with these people, right? I mean, so this is essentially the center of business, in your opinion. It's gone from being this prehistoric cave created by a bunch of sea creatures that makes this limestone cavern to a lot of occult meanings. And, I mean, you say the center of business is one thing. Yeah, well, currently speaking, uh, the Rock of Gibraltar is the center for big business 
right now. It is the business capital of the world kicking out Dubai. But uh, the territory of Gibraltar is a giant peninsula with a fortress-like mountain uh, turned into tons of military installments, then turned into a billion-dollar data center. Uh, The British pound is the territory's money. Uh, Gibraltar is the only overseas territory owned by the EU, and the income tax is lower than the UK. Also, non-resident companies don't pay capital gains tax, gift tax, wealth tax, or estate tax. In fact, Gibraltar is the lowest tax rate in Europe. That is why so many businesses flock there to have their business name in Gibraltar because of the taxes and because of those servers. Um, Let's see. Most companies registered there are online-based, and of that, 50% or more are online casinos. So basically, 90% of all online casinos in the world store their data in the Gibraltar Rock. Interesting. And what's so crazy about it to me, though, is honestly like the limestone, like just that it seems like there's there's significant aspects of limestone and, you know, whether it's technology or some sort of worship, um, it seems significant. Right. I mean, you have the Phoenicians, um, specifically sea traders, made use of these caves as places of worship between 800 B.C. and 200 B.C. So there's some crazy history here. And then it's strange that, uh, you know, the British government owns it now after so much fighting and like the Spanish have been trying to take it from the Brits and like, like gracefully offering tons of different shit to take it from the British, like in current times. And they've always just said, no, it belongs to the British government. Well, so this is what's interesting, too, is when we get into medieval history, which is what you're talking about. Um, in 711 AD, Berber troops from North Africa, so this is probably from like the Morocco area, um, under the leader Tariq Ibn Zayad. And uh, there's actually places that are named after him. And you have the first mention of Moors here. And the oldest castle or the oldest structure on this rock is a, it's called Moorish Castle. And um, what's interesting when I was looking into the Moors, and this isn't something I've heard brought up really before, is that the Moors were essentially, I mean, it's kind of like the original N-word, honestly. Like if you look up what what Moor comes from, it's basically white Christian Europeans calling black Muslims Moors, and they even called them Blackamoors. Now you have uh, some different tribes coming out of Africa, and I, I looked at all of Africa, not just North Africa. And not one of them's called the Moors. So, it, you know, I was talking with my friend, Matt, who's real big into old history and, you know, different ex- explanations of history. And I was mentioning to him, like, it would be like if black people uh, or if white people were sitting here calling an, an ancient empire, like the honky empire or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's totally a, a slanderous thing. It's not a positive thing. Yeah, we were, we still have to do a rant about all the slang terms in the world. Oh, God. Yeah, I found a great source for uh, racial slurs. It's the racial slur dictionary. And man, it is voluminous. I mean, the, as you can imagine, the Jews and the blacks have a lot of, of uh, names in there, but there's some really funny ones for like uh, Norwegians. That's what your mom is, right? And what was yeah. it? A reindeer fucker and a, uh, <laughs> a, uh, a sea monkey. Yeah. So it's just funny, you know, that kind of shit's fun, but terrible. Oh yeah. Horrible. But it's just funny. You know, why not, why not uh, laugh about it a little bit now? I'm going to skip through history a little bit here because I want to get into the crazy shit, but this is the British Gibraltar. And this is kind of currently where we're at today. Yeah. 
um, even though they have switched from, I think twice they've switched from uh, British control to uh, someone else. Was it Spain? Yeah, they actually go back and forth. And Gibraltar uh, technically has been fought over and sieged and then sieged again 14 different times throughout history. Wow. Okay. Well, that's pretty fucking crazy, honestly. Because, yeah, you have uh, British and Dutch forces under Admiral Sir George Rook and Prince George of Hesse-Darmstadt, respectively, captured Gibraltar in 1704 during the War of the Spanish Secession, which I think this is where Franco was involved, if I'm not mistaken. I there don't wanna... is tons of tons and tons of back and forth, and it's really, really difficult to keep track of. So I basically said, uh, or I basically say like a synopsis of it would be that uh, Great Britain has had, or, you know, the UK has had their hands on Gibraltar for the last 200 years. Well, and what's so interesting about why it's fought over, because the Nazis even tried to take it in World War II, but they were unsuccessful. It's such a a strategic location. You can essentially shut off this point of Spain where it is. Yeah, it's so close. Yeah, it gets so close to Morocco that you can easily shut off access to that whole sea. Um, What is it? The Black Sea right there? Uh, I'm so bad at geography. I probably shouldn't even bring it up, but it's just a very, very strategic place and it's high up. And you can, there was cannons mounted at the top of this thing where they could just shoot down and they could essentially make it so no one is crossing into this area for whoever holds it. And the Brits, like you said, Kim, have held on to this for, uh, at this point, centuries, right? Yeah, they've had it for the last 200 years. It's pretty crazy. And currently, uh, the territory is the world's biggest gaming hub for several years, completely under everybody's radar. No one knew. And like I said already, it knocked Dubai out of place for the uh, startup capital of the world. Um, and Dubai has never been knocked out of place. That was the first time that ever happened. And all these online companies literally only do business in Gibraltar for number one, the, the tax breaks, and number two, the uninterrupted server space available at the rock inside the rock of Gibraltar, which is 500 meters down in a super classified secret bunker. But um, yeah, it's, it sits a highly guarded uh, subdivision facility housing data centers full of servers. And it, like I said, 500 meters deep inside the limestone rock. It's crazy. Uh, the entire operation is in a tunnel called Admiralty Tunnel. It was dug by the, by the British in 1893 during the World War II, you know, digging out of all the tunnels. Like I said, it took 200 years of all the tunnel digging bombing and all kinds of stuff they would just throw dynamite at the wall i assume i'm joking well and this seems like such a crazy and by the way it was the mediterranean sea i feel like a real retard here but yeah um that so you can block off because of how close morocco gets to spain at this point of uh, gibraltar but when you were telling me about this and how you know it being limestone which is very difficult to break through and all this shit yeah i feel like this is some sort of doomsday bunker for the world's elite Oh, yeah, for sure. So um, the where the data centers are housed right now, which currently uh, is every single online banking website you ever go to or will ever go to or any gaming website or app that you'll ever go to or see online comes from Gibraltar, the servers. But uh, right now, the Admiralty Tunnel, where all the servers are, is 3,300 square meters big, large. And it's split up into 80 separate rooms, sublet to several different data server centers. 
all different companies, all different, you know, place, you know, different companies trying to sell you server space or have private server space for different government entities, which I'll get into. But Wikipedia shows Admiralty Tunnel is the status of it is private. Its owner is the government of Gibraltar and its operator is Continent 8. Uh, a company that's that, a weird name yeah and like all the companies that are named f- that have servers that are the biggest server spaces in gibraltar rock have crazy names but continent eight um let's see it oh yeah the admiralty tunnel status is private its owner is the government of gibraltar and its operator is continent eight which is a company originally called vault technology services a very interesting name and they actually created the entire facility inside the tunnel that houses all those server companies. So the demand and supply for server space inside the rock is more than doubled since it began. And the rock hosts all businesses, uh, mostly e-banking and e-gaming is based in those secure data centers on that giant limestone or inside the giant limestone rock. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy. I mean, it's just, it's interesting to think that this territory that's been fought over for so long, you would think that it would have some sort of technological uh, reason for these primitive people to have wanted it, right? Like the reason too, why it's it's crazy to think that this might be some sort of bunker is the amount of space that you're not even allowed to go into, even if you do take a tour down there. And throughout World War II, especially, it's pretty well documented that it was like a little mini city down there. They had a hospital. Yeah. They yeah, had you're water. you're getting ahead of us. You're getting ahead of yourselves. Well, I just wanted to, to throw it out there because there's a lot of shit. I mean, we're, like later, we're going to well, get into one, alchemy and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, like the one tunnel hosting all these top secret servers that pretty much host all the money online in the world, I think. Uh, that space, the tunnel itself is 3,300 square meters. Yeah. That's that's huge. That's a giant, giant. It has 80 separate warehouse size rooms. And you get your 33 in there too. There, exactly, exactly. All right, well, yeah, sorry. Get back to your stuff. Okay, so uh, Vault Technologies is the company that originally created the entire facility, like I said. Um, the Rock hosts all businesses. And let's see, what is Continent 8? That's what we were getting at. Continent 8 owns all the space inside the government-owned tunnel. So they don't own the tunnel. They just own all the space inside of it, which is very, very strange. Uh, The company itself has highly secure data center servers. Uh, It boasts that it's a tier one peering network, which is literally the fastest uninterrupted data flow in existence. And there's so many different data hosting server spaces, data centers that are hosting server spaces there in that tunnel that I maybe just wanted to list a couple of the super shady ones. I mean, so I you listed, a list. yeah, you listed a couple here and these are interesting. And yeah. So like you said, most data centers in this rock here are hosting gaming based companies. And it, that's an interesting thing to think about just because of how big online sports, um, you know, with the pandemic really kind of helped perpetuate this, but gambling, has become like not only accepted, but it's like, I mean, there's tons of podcasts on this now. It's just gambling and pushing online betting, which is wild to me. All of a sudden, it's now trusted. I remember when like 10 years ago, like nobody trusted putting their money in a gambling website because they all thought it was bullshit. Well, it's not only trusted, like the NFL has partnered with them. Every single big sport, I mean, even the UFC, which I'm a big fan of, 
they'll show you like the betting lines on everything. I'm like, okay, this guy's an underdog. This guy's got this. If you bet these three underdogs, you're going to win this. You know, it's just, it's wild. And this company Innova is a huge, huge proponent of this. And they're actually located in there too. It's a mobile app and software development company that specializes in SEO and secure data storage. Um, So it's a, it's an interesting thing. They specialize in gambling companies and uh, they they hold a lot of that on their servers. What they said, what I think was interesting about them is on their company, like, you know, manifest or whatever, what they say they do is they specialize in SEO and secure data storage. But what they really do is like literally, oh, no, they say that they host mobile app and software development. That's what they say they are, mobile app and software company, right? But really all they do is host the secure data storage for all the e-gaming online. Well, yeah. And then, you know, you, you keep going down your list here and you have a World Trade Center company that's officially registered as Rocolo, um, R-O-C-K-O-L-O. It sounds like a candy and um, classified as a 100 rack facility. Did you describe what a rack was? Yeah, I, I it's very hard to describe this like servers are in like cooled off rooms and they're in like think of like a baking rack, right? You've seen a baking rack with like different shelves on that rack different server spaces have different size racks. Some racks will hold like, you know, four servers. Some will hold 10, depending on the, how big the servers are themselves. But like, what does it say that, how many does the trade center say? A hundred rack facility. Um, and it's been holding private data and classified data specifically since 2017. So that's when Trump came into office and that's when Obama left, obviously, and, and I'm always real skeptical of, of Obama when when some of this stuff goes on around 2016, 2017. I always think about Obama. That's yeah, that's when that company was created. The interesting thing about it is like we don't really know how big the rack is. Like it could be a 20 rack. It could be only four servers. But the fact that it is 100 racks of servers that are pretty much private and confidential the only information that I could find, you were the one that told me that you looked it up that I guess a lot of different places around the world, like weird strategic places have buildings that are named the World Trade Center. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, we always think that the World Trade Center buildings here in the US are the only ones, but there have there are others around the world. And, and Gibraltar has a building and an office, a business called the World Trade Center. And an address, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that, that supposedly that company is the one that... Uh, is registered at, or is registered as the owner of the business Rocolo that has all the server space inside the rock. It's very, it's, it's very confusing when it comes to all these different subs subsidiaries and businesses and stuff, because they can hide their assets and hide all kinds of shit. So easy. Yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy. And then you get into a telecom one here, which is really interesting in your words, what you were thinking was like the most secret data facility that's in this entire thing is this one called Mount Pleasant. And um, like we said, it's a uh, the company name is a registered Jib Telecom, which is obviously a Gibraltar Telecom company. And so this one barely has any information on it. But, uh, you know, most data centers have Gibraltar business addresses. And this company's location is listed as undisclosed deep rock facility. Um, Also, Jib Telecom, like I said, so. That's interesting. Anytime you just get like, instead of an address, you just get undisclosed deep rock facility. It kind of reminds you of those deep underground military bases that we're so excited about. Yeah, I couldn't even find, like I said, uh, I couldn't even find anything. I found that uh, the Mount Pleasant 
company, corporation, or whatever. It literally just said Mount Pleasant, registered the name Jib- Gibraltarcom or Jibtelcom, Jibtelecom, I don't know. Yeah, Jibtelecom. Yeah. And then what's what's kind of cool here is that this one also goes back to the World Trade Center in Gibraltar. So, you know, just it seems like more and more of this top secret shit, and again, getting very, very shady um and going dark almost around 2016 2017 and in your opinion the internet's been wiped of a lot of this stuff right yeah yeah basically like like i just found the shadiest shit and like the mount pleasant company registered the name for the world trade center company it's just like there's a bunch of weird shit that's like linking everything to everything so it's really difficult to find anything on those data servers or anything shady about the server centers itself because they're in the business of scrubbing the internet that's what they do yeah well when you have a a significant portion of like cybersecurity. And just a big part of the internet in one area, you would think that they would go great lengths to, you know, make sure. But, you know, and this is so another thing that's just fucking crazy to me about this is it reminds me of CERN. Are you familiar with CERN? I know my audience is. Okay. So with CERN mixing like the occult and technology, it just screams that. And you'll see again later. I mean, if you think that there's coincidences going on at this point. Did they turn the CERN machine on in 2012? Because I remember people. Yeah, they just did again recently. Yeah, I remember people calling it the great reset of 2012 because now like we have the Mandela effect and we didn't really have that before 2012. So now everybody thinks things are different. And it's because when the CERN machine turned on, it split the fabric of dimensions and half of us like left our dimension that we know. And that's why things look different to us in this one. Yeah, like the Bernstein Bears. That's yeah. always the big one. But yeah, yeah so um, let's move on to like some of the weird shit that's actually going on yeah. inside some of the tunnel layers. Yeah, now we're like going to get into some of the creepy history and creepiness. I just wanted to get through to why like the the why i'm interested in gibraltar is because of all the creepy servers that are on there now but that once i started deep diving about gibraltar i realized the entire history of its existence is creepy and riddled with you know very ominous shit so uh the creepy tunnels are very extensive they run through the rock and peninsula and most of them were built over a 200-year time frame, and the British claim they built them all, but who knows? The territory, well, that's a lie. yeah, yeah. The territory itself, like the ones that have been discovered so far, the British say they claim they built. So whatever. But um, the territory of Gibraltar itself is only 2.6 miles of peninsula and mountain. That includes the giant mountain. But there is so far 34 known miles of underground tunnels more than double the length of the above ground road system that's fucking crazy that is nuts yeah so and like i said the british claim all construction for all the tunnels discovered and all the underground everything discovered so far well so think about all the shit that they could keep down there with 34 miles of tunnels and if this was some sort of elite bunker in the future you have your internet technology right you have basically everything that you need oh yeah there's a doomsday uh definitely a doomsday bunker for rich and wealthy people i guarantee the the queen you know like we have different mountains here where you know elites are allowed to go silos that go down 50 miles well that the gibraltar rock is the queen's uh go-to place for safety yeah wow yeah Yeah, this is kind of like what those deep underground military bases and shit are but i mean it's it is Something to think about, you know, if we have these 300 families that are like the elite families or whatever. Right, right. They could fit in a 34 mile period or in a 34 mile uh, space space pretty easily. And then, I mean, just like, again, they'd have all their resources they had 
practice runs of this shit. Yeah, and I'm going to right now go through what the British are, like the, their explanation for why there's all these tunnels and caves, because they say they have a history of it because they've had it since the 18th century. So there is documentation that 18th century British use the blown out by dynamite tunnels for communication passages and supply rooms. The 19th century British tunneled water reservoirs supplying all of Gibraltar with fresh water. And Okay, so yeah, why would they need fresh water if they don't plan on doing something down here? Yeah, so there's fresh water running from the ground underneath the ocean, underneath everything, like underneath the rock, running through the mountain to the entire town. Currently, their water reservoir is in the mountain and they use that water right now so of course there's one running water electricity everything's already in the cave yeah so the 19th century british tunneled the water reservoirs and by the 20th century the mountain was a giant military fortress with a living capacity of 16,000 people plus supplies so that's your crazy doomsday bunker they literally turned it into a military fortress and it housed at that time 16,000 people uh, currently, most of the tunnels in the mountain are owned by the government of Gibraltar, but on Wikipedia, it shows most of the closed tunnels are owned by the Ministry of Defense still, which is a wartime thing, but that's very interesting. The Ministry of Defense. And then you said that there are tours that people can go on here, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like there's the tourist trap tunnels that you can go to, which is basically two different tunnels that you can walk through. And it's just like World War II, like blown out, dug out tunnels, like at the top of the natural preserve and stuff. And it's really kitschy and super dumb. You can also- Isn't there the spelunking? Yeah, like I said, you can also uh, go with certain spelunking groups and companies that are in Gibraltar. Like they're not as tourist trappy because you need to know how to cave spelunk. And you can go spelunking and into the, you know, you're going into the mouth of a known cave. And if you find an entrance that you can squeeze through a tunnel that you can squeeze through in that known cave, then that's an undiscovered cave. And that's how they found like over 150 different cave and tunnel passages. It's a bunch of dumb idiot tourists just kind of. And for and those they, who don't know, spelunking is like going caving and you're cave kind of going di- through water diving, yeah. and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cave diving. And um. Like what the government, I assume, would do is like, you know, these people are all excited. They found a new cave. They want to explore a new tunnel. They want to explore through a certain cave that's open to the public. That tunnel isn't open to the public because it's newly discovered. So what the government will do is jump in, say, thanks for discovering this new tunnel. You're so awesome. It's too dangerous for you to even try to discover or or explore. So we're going to seal it permanently. And I say that with air quotes. You know, and so and it's off limits to those people, but they get credit for discovering something. And that's pretty much how there's 150 different tunnels and caves because nobody really knows. There's no actual information about them because like the government takes it over the minute it's discovered, which is very crazy. That number is likely way off from what's actually there because it's such a weird honeycombed, uh, you know, ins and outs it's like a maze essentially yeah and it's kind of dumb luck when these tourists find a new cave and then like you said it gets sealed off but obviously the government will go in there and fuck around do what they need to do but who knows how much space is really down there we're just told about the 34 miles of space there's likely a lot more down there yeah we totally think that there's a lot more down there because uh the freedom of information act just verified a bunch of rumors about certain uh hidden 
caves that were sealed shut that have been discovered inside like the World War II bunkers, like by Admiralty Tunnel and by all these tunnels that are that say they're not being used, but they are in use for certain private companies. And then boom, all of a sudden a secret room is found. And uh, this one, they just disclosed to us, it's called Operation Tracer Cave. In it, it's known as Stay Behind Cave. And during World War II, the British were super worried the Germans were going to try to take Gibraltar. They created a top secret covert operation involving a secret observation post hidden between walls inside the military fortress. So supposedly it, was, it is the size of a room, but it was hidden between the walls of two giant rooms. Was this the <clears> one? <throat> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Operation Tracer Cave. This is where it's this so crazy, fucked yeah. up. Yeah. So this post, I say with air quotes, would remain hidden and operating if the Germans took the rock. So basically a hidden bunker room sealed permanently with six men and supplies enough for seven years. And I say permanently because the stay behind cave was hidden and sealed until a spelunking group discovered it in 1997. Just like I said, like they just happen upon shit that, you know, breaks because of, you know, tectonic plate shifts or water comes in there and erodes rock. And all of a sudden you have a little, you know, arm size hole that you can see through and it's a giant room on the other side. So you did these people, did they get locked in there and then they were killed? No. So nobody actually knows what happened, but they're, uh, this operation, it says on the paperwork that there was supposed to be six men who volunteered. Uh, one was an executive officer and two doctors and three wire- wireless operators, basically radio intel dudes. Uh, the tracer cave supposedly was never put to use, but there were volunteers listed in British naval records. So they had like six people ready and willing in case it was ever implemented. But for some reason, it was never implemented is what the paperwork says. So what is your theory on what actually happened here do you think that these people were forced to do this experiment or do you think that they actually were volunteers that wanted to try and solve it because it's it's kind of confusing anytime so, anyone volunteers in the military that's not a volunteer well that's not true but that i would say totally i would say probably there is definitely some sort of operation potentially going on here but what would you think it would be for well, so they wanted hold on they wanted to test out if this room was safe to stay in for seven years. Well, kind of. Um, when the room was found by the Spelunkers, there was, it was confirmed as the Tracer Cave or the Stay Behind Cave by the only living volunteer, with air quotes, uh, from that mission that never supposedly happened. And he was one of the doctors, which is weird and interesting. It's- Wait, so a guy actually fucking survived? Well, what happened is, like I said, there was volunteers picked and on the naval records, it shows six people assigned to do this mission. It never says that in, in, in the classified pap- paperwork that was just released, it says that the mission never happened. So what I was going to say is the Freedom of Information Act provided everyone with this top secret British naval intelligence report confirming that doctor that was still alive. His, you know, report and proof and verification that the stay behind cave was actually a real thing. It was between bunker walls of a sleeping, you know, bunker and an artillery room right in the middle of the military base. And nobody knew it. It was just found. Uh, What I thought was interesting was that the Germans, when they took the cave, 
the plan was to have those six people only stay for a year. That was what was the plan, but they had provisions for seven years. And so I don't know why they would have provisions for seven years, but when the cave was completed in 1941, a year later, very conveniently, one year later, the cave was sealed. So my theory is that they tested the cave out. That's what you're thinking is that they tested it out. Um, I think that they sealed the six people in the room for one year from the minute it was finished, 1941 to 1942. And this is my crazy psycho theory, but when they opened the room from sealing it permanently for a year, when they opened the room, there was only that doctor left. I literally think he was the only one left alive. I think something went horribly awry. He killed everyone or everyone went crazy sealed up in that room. And um, when it was found, that poor doctor had to like, verify and claim yeah that's my murder suicide room but it you know he's like yeah that's my mission that was my room but okay you kind of made it sound like the the when the spelunkers went and discovered this cave the guy was still in there no no that's not what i was saying the the this the guy they they had naval records of who was volunteering and from those naval records they found one person left alive so they interviewed him and he verified the spelunker story and he said and the that rumors. they actually did stay in there no he didn't say they stayed oh, in there okay. he said that it was never he also said it was never used and it was sealed but we were ready and willing and volunteers so they did the opposite of what the spelunkers thought even though you just said they confirmed. yeah uh, but okay. i think i Very think confusing. that's what i said in the beginning i said i think that he did get sealed up i think that they did because because it was finished in 1941 according to the records but they didn't seal the room permanently and never use it and stop the program until 1942 so there's a year gap where they just had that room you know and so i think that they they tried to seal someone in that room for a year or the six people or do them you know they sealed people in the room for a year just to test it those people went fucking crazy and the doctor's the only one left alive. That's my theory. It's completely batshit. It's not true. So you're thinking too that, well, it might be true. I mean, so you're thinking that, that this doctor potentially killed these people. Who knows, man. But if you're locked in a room with six people thinking that you're sealed by concrete and never going to get out, like who knows, who knows what, what could happen. There was two doctors because something could bad could happen. So who knows? Hmm. You know, that's a that's a uh, you know disaster recipe for disaster is how you say it. So the executive officer, one of the doctors, and then all three of the wireless operators. There's no record of them. I know for a fact that um, they all didn't die in that room. I was making like I said, this is my theory. I know it's not true. The other people just died from natural causes or in World War Two. Okay. There's so much craziness that happens in the Gibraltar. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, it seems like a very occult place and it's potentially haunted. I would say too. I mean, it seems like just with the, the weird rituals and shit that go on down there. By the way, that murder doctor that I think murdered everyone who didn't, he died in 2014. So it doesn't really matter. Mm, Okay. Interesting. Well then after that you have, this is the one that I was kind of referencing earlier with the Nazis and uh, this is during World War II, this Operation Felix, which is really interesting. Yeah, and this was reason, never executed, right? Yeah, the reason Tracer Cave is a thing is because of Operation Felix. So Tracer Cave's after Felix. Yes, yes. Actually, uh, they said that in you know all the documents, it says that Operation Felix was uh, created in 1941 and Operation Tracer Cave was finished in construction in 1941. So that's an interesting fact. 
Interesting. Yeah. That is weird. So yeah. it's right around the same time. Yeah, yeah. I think there was a bunch of like... So they think that Operation Felix, they knew that Operation Felix was going on, so they did tracer caves to try and prevent Felix yeah, from going they, down. They, I'm sure that they had a bunch of intel from both sides, and I'm sure that they got wind that... Or, or maybe, you know, it is a strategic thing. Like, of course, Gibraltar is a hub. So if the Germans, the Germans are trying to attack, then they're going to want to take, you know, a hub of somewhere or take Spain. And then so this Operation Felix that we're mentioning here, where it seems very, very tied in with Tracer Cave, never went down. Okay. Um, Nazis kind of pussied out as they like to do. The only time that they're really down to actually fight is if it's uh, against emaciated Jews that are uh, too tired to fight. Yeah, they were, they were going to try to uh, invade Spain via Gibraltar, and that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's the worst part that you could possibly try to get through. You know what I mean? It's the, it's the tactically the best spot to have. Why would you start there? Um, I don't know. Just a weird, weird thing. But um, this German general in charge was never given orders to pursue the way uh, that, that they were trying to go through Gibraltar. Like we were saying, it's way too ambitious to do this. Why not go the exact opposite fucking way? Horrible strategy. Uh, ended up getting getting uh, the rug pulled out from under it. And honestly, there must have been some sort of information leaked on both sides. I think that in some way, the British knew exactly what was going on here. And uh, the Allies as a whole, right? I mean, the, the Allies led by the U.S. were really, really good at counter operations, kind of knowing what the enemy was doing a couple steps ahead, partially because they were funding them. So, you know, they probably got a little bit of, uh, of Intel from them in that way. Yeah. It's, it's pretty weird to think about, honestly, but I mean, so again, this is, that's a lot of the, the technical sort of very concrete, uh, actual shit that went down. None of this is a cult in any way, right? Um, you have a lot of military operations. You have like the history of the fighting and it, why it's such an important spot. The question is why really? Is there some underlying meaning to actually having this this area? Um, you know, there's that whole phrase. You know, the Rock of Gibraltar is like this fucking very sturdy. Solid la- as a rock. Yeah, it's solid. It's you know, uh, Will Ferrell uses it in that movie. It's funny. Solid I, as a rock. I actually didn't even realize that that was a uh, real place. But no, it's just um, you know, getting into that stuff alone is very interesting. Why is it fought over so much? Other yeah, than being a- just a tactical spot, is there some sort of you know, spiritual significance to this place yeah, in the caves. A, now it's a billion dollar world economic hub. Yeah. And so that's the thing, like, you know, potentially, you know, the West really runs the world. Um, That's about to change. But, you know, with Britain basically running this, even though it's not in their area at all, I, it's, it's kind of wild to think that this is part of Spain, but it's a British area, a British territory. Yeah. So, again, is there some sort of significant spiritual connection here? Um, as we're about to get into, there's some alchemical weird nonsense going on, um, which may not be nonsense. There is some, you know, witch migrations to there. There's a festival that we'll mention that has some, uh, you know, witchcraft type shit. And some of these caves have been historically used for sacrifices. There's a lot of devil and demon representation there. Um I think a good spot to play Shannon's little conversation that, that him and I had would be right now, um, just getting into this weird God that the Freemasons worship. The Freemasons would also really take a big liking to this giant limestone cave, right? Um, it's, it, a, it's a crazy little spot. What were you going to say? 
I was going to say it would make sense why a lot of the national landmarks in Gibraltar are named after the devil. Yeah, some of the most, right? And they they started naming that in the 1800s, from what I understand, which we'll get into. There's some really crazy shit here. But before we get into more of the occult stuff, like I said, I want to play this clip of uh, Shannon and I having a conversation. He's starting a show very soon, and I will keep you all posted on that because this guy's got great information. And uh, anytime I ask for like a, a anything or I just mention something to him, he'll send me like tons of articles and PDFs and all kinds of crazy shit to look into. And uh, he stays very informed on this stuff, finds this God called Tubal Cain and um, just kind of breaks it down for us here. So we'll roll into that quick conversation and we'll be on the other side to talk about some of the craziest shit I've ever heard about some weird cave in Spain. So here we go. All right. So, uh, you know, getting into all this weird stuff with the occult mixed with technology and the new age mixing with old age and all this weird religious stuff and the gods and the entities that they worship. Uh, my buddy Shannon here brought up something real interesting, and I wanted you to kind of break this down, dude, with this uh, Tubal cane that I had not heard of. And you always do these deep dives and you find really interesting stuff, man. So how does this guy here, who is a historical figure, it sounds like, at least according to the Bible, how does this guy play into like witchcraft and, and all this like occult religion? Okay, I'm still learning myself because it goes so deep. But um, he's related to, obviously, Cain in the Bible. He goes by a few names, Tobol Cain, T slash Cain, Q-A-Y-I-N, Vulcan, Hephaestus, Leyland. It keeps going, but also what's curious is it also says the fallen angel Azazel. So that a tie-in. And then we have Stations of the Wheel, which... We were just actually trying to decipher and talk about ourselves, which says East and West, Samhain and Beltane, October and May, Gates of Fire and Water, Blood and Merry Moons, the Totems, the Cow, the Hawthorn, the Bee, the Toad, the Elder, and the Crane. And his tools, it says, are the sword, the stang, the Shelg and the Anvil, because supposedly he's the first blacksmith and the first one to create weapons. Yeah. Okay. So that so there's so much shit there. So that's why, from your theory, the reason that you know he's the first one to make weapons, he's the first uh, Mason potentially. This is probably why the Masons may worship him. Is that what your thoughts were? Right. Yeah. When, um, cause he's the first blacksmith. So if you even look in some of their writings, they'll even talk a lot about him. And, uh, as far as him being the first blacksmith. Interesting, dude. Well, and, and he is like what we are seeing here. You know, he's from the bloodline of, uh, Adam and Eve, obviously coming from Cain, right? And, uh, you have about what looks like eight generations is where Tubal Cain comes in. He's the, Son of Zala, which, you know, I'm not going to act like I know who that is, but it seems like he definitely represents some sort of evil. Obviously, the first one to make weapons, that's very symbolic, right? I mean, like without weapons, there wouldn't be war, right? I'm sure someone would have created weapons at some point after that. But I mean, I don't know if I'm reaching here, but there's a lot of evil shit behind this dude. And the Sam Hain that he's referred to, that's a, a Gaelic reference to Halloween as well, right? That's what they call Halloween. Right, right. 
Right. And you think Cain in the Bible was the first murderer. And, and this guy's the first one to create weapons, which is a lot better than rock or stick. So he ties into that somehow, I, I would say. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's just a, a ridiculously evil bloodline. And then I, we also found too that there's a separate Enoch that is uh, Tubal Cain's great, great, great grandfather. And this is not the Enoch that we know from the Book of Enoch, who is Noah's uh, great grandfather. It looks like, right? Um, according to this time chart, I am not very educated in the Bible, but it's just an interesting thing, dude. So. Where do you think the Masons fall in line with uh, Tubal Cain here? Like, in your opinion, even though you're just kind of researching this and this is new to you, um, how influential do you think that he is on these people? I think he'd be probably very influential if he's the first, really, you think almost like the first builder, pretty much, out of, he's the first blacksmith. So he's using metals for alchemy and one of probably the first alchemists and all that type of stuff, I would say. Really? Right. See, so uh, they, they're they huge in alchemy, too. I mean, you know, looking into all this stuff and we're finding out like all these different metals with Gibraltar. You know, there's the seven uh, the the seven Luciferian metals. And we're still in the process of trying to figure out exactly what those are. But I mean, we're kind of looking into things that I haven't really heard anywhere else, including this. Right. I'm, I'm with you. I'm as far I'm no expert on any of this, but something that I found that was interesting also was it says, uh, of special interest to the witches is the concept of the smithing God. Metal smiths were among the first alchemists and by virtue of their powers of transmutation of ore into steel, they were once credited with magical powers. Blacksmiths were considered the mages par excellence of this group and today we find iron horseshoes iron ore transformed into the god's horns prized as good luck symbols the smithing god is often associated with lameness which is attributed to a folk practice of laming the village smith so that such an important member of society could not leave tubal cain appears to mean he who spices the craft of cain the, the name cain means smith or that he is called Tubal Cain in order to distinguish him from the other Tubal son of Japheth. He's very important to witches. Very important. Um, See, that's what's really crazy here, too, because uh, Gibraltar uh, is this weird little mecca for some New Age witches, at least of a certain sect. And, um, I mean, you, you mentioned something to me where this guy is like the witch king. Right. Yeah. Let me see if I can exactly where I find that. Okay. We'll start right here. Um, it says, and this is also weird too, because one of his other names we were saying was Zazel. And it says, according to the book of Enoch, which brings Azazel into connection with the biblical story of the fallen angels located on Mount Hermon, a gathering place of demons from old, Azazel is represented in the book of Enoch as one of the leaders of the rebellious watchers in the time preceding the flood. He taught men the art of warfare, of making swords, knives, shields, and coats of mail, and women the art of deception by ornamenting the body, dyeing the hair, painting the face and the eyebrows, and also revealed to the people the secrets of witchcraft 
and corrupted their manners, leading them into wickedness, wickedness and impurity. And this is, I thought was real interesting that the Luciferians pay attention to this guy too. According to Luciferian tradition, Azazel and Tubal Cain are the same entity. Azazel having chosen Tubal Cain as his earthly vessel when he led the rebellion of the fallen angels. Tubal Cain is of the line of Cain through his father Lamech, marking him with the holy blood of Lucifer. By teaching the daughters of man witchcraft, Azazel, Azazel slash Tubal Cain became the witch father. Dude, that's pretty fucking weird. You know, in regard to uh, Azazel here, um, Azazel, you know, when I first heard that, it was actually with X-Men, right? I mean, there's that disappearing dude, Azazel. And he, in mythology here, or at least in the story of the Bible, he appears in association with the scapegoat, right? The name represents a desolate place where a scapegoat bearing the sins of the Jews during Yom Kippur was sent. During the end of the second temple period, his association as a fallen angel responsible for introducing humans to forbidden knowledge emerged due to uh, Hellenization. I don't know what that is. Uh, Christian narrative and interpretation exemplified in the book of Enoch. So, I mean, just a, a big time fallen angel along the lines of Lucifer, it sounds like. And um, who's the guy? Samael, the guy that maybe was the snake in the garden of eden a lot mm -hmm. of people think that it was actually lucifer but it was most likely samael um i mean these these three they kind of make up like the holy trinity it seems of hell the unholy trinity right it always it always seems like right like whatever the goodness is doing the darkness can't really do anything but mimic it or try to copy it it doesn't seem like it can do its own thing yeah, just invert it and, and you know, right. flip that energy back around. It's that yin and yang, as above, so below stuff. And him being a, a you know, a alchemist is really interesting too, man. This is something really interesting, dude. I mean, you know, I think that it's something that, uh, again, I hadn't heard of, and it's something that's pretty new to you, but it sounds like you've got a good handle on it. I'd like to talk about it more in the future for sure. Um, and just the idea, I would just say, think about this dude this uh tubal cain being essentially one of the devil's right hand men right i mean this guy is high up but uh but you know obviously a, a real human being at some point and he's you know i don't know uh, how do you kind of quantify that in your brain do you think that this dude was um uh, a human that turned into a spirit or is this just another myth i'll be honest i i really don't know you know it's like I'm still deep diving with Enoch and as far as everything like that. But it's when you think about it, one thing I find that's weird is in our community and everything, everyone, I mean, a lot of stuff is recycled constantly, but we get different takes on it. And it's like, here's a guy, and I'm not saying no one's never done anything on him, but his name has never crossed my path. And I, I've been around for a while, so it was kind of strange. When you've been looking into this stuff for quite a while, like you said, um you've told me some personal things where it sounds like you've had some spiritual awakenings we won't share those here but you know you've been looking into this man you, you know you, you've shared with me the uh the dictionary of angels that you have which is a fascinating book it sounds like and um dude i'm just excited to hear honestly more of your story in in regards to this um that'll come out in due time i'm sure but i mean man just first of all dude thank you so much for sharing this and, uh, man, I'm going to, you know, it, it just gives us more shit to look into. 
it seems like it's never ending, dude. For sure, man. It's fun. There's different different avenues. And thanks for letting me come on and talk, man. I'm glad I can help. Of course, man. Yeah, we'll definitely be looking more into uh Tubal Kane. And I uh I think that throughout this episode too, you're gonna see how he plays a role in what's going on here at Gibraltar. So uh again, many thanks, Shannon. And uh can't wait for your show to start up, brother. Yeah, no problem, man. It's on its way, slowly but surely, dude. <laughs> Secret Squirrel Podcast, baby. Here it comes. It's coming. All right, thanks, man. Well, I don't know what you think about the uh, whole Tubal Cain thing, but I find it pretty darn interesting, especially when it has to do so much with masonry, the way that uh, there seems to be some serious occult knowledge or just something weird about this cave. And again, you know, this is kind of stuff that we're just looking into. So uh, maybe with the power of the audience, we can get more information here. We had an interesting situation. We did take a short break. I was printing some shirts for some orders that needed to go out. I don't want to bore you with the details, but uh, Kim's taking the dogs out. And as you probably know, I live in the Sonoran Desert, Tucson, Arizona. Uh, This is the rattlesnake season. And uh, I don't know if you want to explain what happened. This was kind of interesting. Okay, so I have one dog that's always on a leash because I don't know if he'll run away or not because he was a stray that came on on Ryan's property. And now we adopted him. But get to it. so anyways, one dog's on a leash. Two dogs are like not on the leash, but they do what I say. Pretty much. We're walking around to the normal poop area of the property and I'm like not paying attention. And Musafina, our great Dane, walks up to what I, I thought I glanced over. I thought it was a stick. She uh, swats at it and it tries to strike her, starts rattling and scurries away. And I'm freaking out. I'm screaming for Musafina. to yeah, zero survival instincts you have. So I look outside because I hear not even any of these dogs barking, but Moose the little dog, attack the, do- the snake as it's running away. Yeah. The little dog next door, um, the alleged quote unquote murderer. Who knows? I mean, this is a really a set again, so a legend. The murderer's dog started barking. Yeah, so we hear that because the the snake was rattling, and that's and an outside I'm dog screaming. Probably no, I didn't hear you screaming, but I looked outside, and there's a rattlesnake booking across. So I run outside. I'm wearing flip flops. I grab the shovel, and I thought for two seconds, like fuck, I shouldn't kill this thing with flip flops. So I came inside, uh, grabbed some shoes, ran back out there, looked for it for thirty minutes, couldn't find it. And I go back to printing. And as soon as I look outside, I see another fucking rattlesnake come out of a hole that's right next to the side of my house and go under my house. Go under so, the house. Yeah. So that's the situation right now. Who knows how many fucking snakes are down there? I swear to God, that Great Dane, Musafina, saved my life because I would have. Well, just... she's barked at snakes outside before. Yeah, too, she, like, so. like through she the window, them. she will see one of those black snakes. Or a rattlesnake. Yeah, the she, rattlesnake was one. Yeah, she, she actually caught two snakes. But yeah, she will see the snakes out the window and just go nuts on them. And so that's why I'm sitting outside screaming, holding Ozzy, the newly adopted dog, and holding Go who he doesn't have a leash on so i'm like grabbing him by the butt of his skin because he's like trying to run away while musif's trying to attack i literally almost had a heart attack well and uh, we got we're lucky that no one got bit we have some rattlesnake equipment if that happens but no anti-venom so you know it's tough we do have ivermectin ivermectin supposedly is an anti-venom and we do have like dog snake bite kits and 
So we should make it, you know. So what an eventful, it. what an eventful little break. And you guys know nothing about it because we just had the uh, fun conversation with Shannon. So let's roll back into this. Um, moral of the story is just pay the fuck attention. If you live in any hot climates right now, there's always these venomous critters the out. snake struck before it started rattling. That's one thing, too, that my dad said. This is the last thing that we'll say about this. But my dad, uh, who I did call to let him know, I always tell my dad all kinds of this shit. You tell your and, dad everything. I love your dad. Yeah, he's great. And, um, you know, he said that these snakes have been evolving to not rattle until their threat is on top of them, essentially, so they can at least bite them. Um, I don't know. I, I think that it would be more helpful for them to uh, rattle. But, you know, yeah. people do kill them when they when they hear them. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Uh, I would still kill a snake if it bit me. I feel like the the strike was really it wasn't calculated at all. It just like jumped up because it was laying flat like a stick. The dog pawed at it. It struck. The dog actually jumped completely over it. Well, you know what, too? If we're going to get real conspiratorial about this, we're about to start talking about some seriously crazy shit with Gibraltar and some fucking like Luciferian stuff. Yeah, the connection to all the Satanism. Some devil stuff. And some why there's mysticism. so many devil names. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I'm sorry I had a heart attack. I'm trying to like calm myself down. I almost just got eaten by a snake. One of the dogs could have died. Uh, okay, let's I was move really, on. really lucky, and I'm I'm sorry that you know it's it was traumatic. I'm a city girl. That was traumatic. So we're gonna start getting into, like I said, some of this more occult shit. Very, very interesting stuff. Yeah. Do you want me to talk about Saint Michael's Cave? Actually, I found something very interesting when yeah. when we were doing the research, and uh, you should remember this. This blew your mind when uh, you know you do multiple weeks of research. I hop yeah. in for ten minutes. Yeah. Today he was like going through my notes, going, "Yeah, this is good. This is good. Oh wait, let me look this up real quick from what you just like wrote down," and then blew my mind. And and big thanks to you for finding the stuff because you did a good job. So there's an interesting little coincidence again with all this weird, uh, you know, Tubal Cain was a great little segue into what we're going to get into now. So people have been carrying out weird rituals and they're harnessing some sort of energy that is going on in this cave since it has been fought over like you said it's been fought over at least 14 times and switched empires yeah there's the something down there the entire rock of gibraltar has been in uh 14 known giant sieges and battles like just fighting over the rock itself and since that like since the 1500s or whatever there's been like so many caves and so many uh rituals inside the caves and so many uh like random traveling people that will stay just on the rock if you see a picture of the rock of gibraltar you'll know that it like juts out like literally thousands and thousands of feet high right at the ocean's peak so it's like literally a beacon for people and it seems that it attracts energy even when people don't really understand what's going on so let's get into this so i'm going to tie in a little bit of rosicrucianism some alchemy which is one of their main uh i mean they draw references from kabbalah hermeticism alchemy and obviously christian mysticism which is their big uh, I mean, if you really just kind of want to summarize what Rosicrucianism is, it's Christian mysticism. Um, but yes, there are these other elements sprinkled in. And these ancient civilizations, we're talking old, old civilizations, literally ancient. Um, Rosicrucians popped up in the early 17th century from what I've gathered. Uh, it's possible that they've been around, um, you know, before then. There's a bit of a confusion from where they popped up. It, you know, mainstream history will tell you that a German document uh, listed them first, but it, it would seem that they definitely came before 
uh, before mainstream history would tell you that they came about. Now, the the ancient civilizations of the world, according to your research, really only knew seven metals, but I would say it's probably more accurate to say that they utilized seven metals. Yeah, there was only literally in ancient civilization and we know this because like the writings and the cave drawings and everything we've like accumulated in time to know about ancient civilizations like you know uh bc pretty much and every like cavemen you know little colonies that lived everywhere uh they only could utilize and like yield and weld seven different metals that they could utilize well and then they also and they also put you know, they they almost characterize these metals in different ways because there was seven holy bodies at the time as well, that which we would call planets today. And it's interesting because they don't characterize Earth as one of the planets. And we were trying to watch we were trying to watch um, As Above, So Below before today, right? Before we wanted to get into this, just because it's a fun movie that actually kind of like in a not so serious way talks about a lot of the shit. The chick is trying to learn more about alchemy because her dad was a big alchemist i don't know if you've seen that movie to the audience here but just uh yeah if not, in, check it out in that movie they have alchemic uh stones that they've created using alchemical alchemical my bad yeah Al- why don't you pipe down let whatever. me get through the story no, but they they have in the movie they have these alchemic alchemy stones that are created using different metals uh, the seven sacred metals of alchemy and they create these stones that are all healing. But the problem with the stones is that the, it's literally witchcraft. And like, I don't know if you know, but like, like three yeah. times three, like if you want something, it'll come back to you three times, like yeah. worse. And that's what alchemy kind of is. It's witchcraft mixed with, you know, Satanism and dark yeah. powers. So let's break down real quick these uh, seven bodies, which is real interesting. Again, they use a seven pointed star to represent this whole thing. And it's truly fascinating so you have the day uh sunday which represents the sun obviously and the sun is represented by the metal gold right then you move on to monday which is represented by the moon also silver okay then tuesday mars which was recognized back then the planet of uh or the metal of mars and tuesday is iron which makes sense it's a, a strong metal they would use this for war Then you go to Wednesday, which is represented by Mercury and also the metal Mercury. Then we move over to Thursday, which is represented by Jupiter or Thor's Day, as some people call it. And that would be 10 represented there up to Friday, which is represented by Venus. And the metal there is copper. And then we move to the last day, Saturday or Saturn Day, represented by Saturn. And you have lead. So this was the whole reason why lead was representing the darkness. Saturn is represented by darkness. Um, you have the hexagonal weather patterns there. The hex. Um, the idea of moving from lead to gold is representing the dark to light movement. So really, really crazy stuff there. And these were known as the seven sacred alchemical metals. You also have the seven deadly sins, right? The seven holy virtues, the seven heavenly bodies, and obviously, which is very apparent here too, the seven days of the week. Now, there was reference to these also being the seven Luciferian metals. So that struck me when you said that in your research, and I found I didn't some say interesting. It yet, but you're right. 
No, you when you were telling me. Oh, yeah, yeah. When I was telling you all about the notes, yes. Yeah, so that struck me and it made me think of something. Like, let's look into mining because these are all metals that come from the earth. Maybe we can find some shit about this, right? So it just so happens that there is a Gibraltar copper mine in Canada, in British Columbia. Yeah, we're trying to find, like, I couldn't find any link to the seven sacred metals of the Luciferian alchemy in Gibraltar itself. Like, there's no mines or, like, there's no metals. It's only a limestone rock. So Ryan had the brilliant idea this morning to... You were thinking too small. Right. Ryan had the brilliant idea to think of, well, what mines or like maybe there are metals associated with the name Gibraltar in the world and this is what we found a giant list of different mines literally mining the seven sacred alchemy metals from the earth in the Gibraltar name and it's fucking crazy so you have six different mines here which is really really insane I mean you have a Gibraltar copper mine in British Columbia Canada owned by a company called Taseco. And this was the first thing that I that I looked up. I just typed in Gibraltar Copper Mine. And it takes you over to British Columbia, Canada. Says it's owned by this company, Taseco, which mines copper. And copper, obviously represented, which I just said, by Friday and Venus. One of these seven yeah, alchemical so what, metals. Like, the question is, what would make that company, Taseco, name that mine Gibraltar Mine? Even though it's in Canada has nothing to do nothing with Gibraltar. Do with Gibraltar. Yeah. Why is it named Gibraltar Copper Mine? Because it's one of the seven sacred metals. So that was just the start. Um, copper being represented by uh, Venus and Friday, one of the significant alchemical metals. Then you move on and it starts snowballing from here. You go Gibraltar um, silver mining. You type that in and it pulls up Gibraltar Silver Hill Mining Co., which is a zinc, not very significant, lead and silver mining company out of nevada okay you can look all these up again that one is gibraltar silver hill mining company it is fucking insane that they do two of these seven metals again lead and silver lead represented by mars and tuesday and then silver being represented by the moon and monday keep it going gibraltar mercury mine out of Montecito, California, close to your native land there. Yeah, I can't believe there's literally a mercury mine. Right, that is weird. Right where like... Uh, Weeds grown? No, no. Uh, Montecito is like uh, Santa Barbara area. It's where literally the city that uh, Michael Jackson had his pedophile ranch. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's Montecito. That's Santa Barbara. Yeah. It's crazy that there's a mercury mine right there. Like it makes people go crazy, you know, mercury. I didn't know his mind was out or his his mind, his child child ass mine was out there. No, no, but so yeah, Montecito County. Yeah, Gibraltar Mercury mine out of Montecito, California. Now let's keep it going. Gibraltar Goldfield mines in Western Australia. We're talking uh cool what is this? Cool Guardy Shire? Is that uh, what that is? Uh, Your horrible handwriting. Colgardie Shire. Colgardie Shire. The city in uh, Western Australia that it's basically just a mining city. Yeah. And um, yeah, the people that all that, that live there are just working for this gold. F- it's not even a mine. It's a gold field. It's like a field of mines. Well, and that was the thing. I, I spoke with the dude in Australia too. And yeah, they, they mine tons of fucking gold out there. Yeah. And again, I mean, gold is obviously represented by uh well and i didn't mention again mercury being uh represented by wednesday okay and obviously um mercury Mercury the mercury the planet yeah 
So then you have the gold field. That's obviously the sun. And this is mined out of Australia. You wrote Austria here for some reason, I'm but that's sorry. okay. So uh, wait, Australia, who knew that uh, Western Australia was literally one of the biggest gold capitals in the world? Well, that's TV, something... I mean, YouTube has documentaries and stuff where they I talk about it. I didn't know that, that it was like a, a gold mining, like Mecca. I had no idea. Okay, so then um, we have uh, evolving more, and this is where it kind of started to get a little difficult. You have Grassy Creek Mine out of uh, Gibraltar Range National Park in New South Wales. There's no such thing as a real tin mine out there. That's weird that they decided to put it in like Gibraltar Park. Like it still. Well, they named the park right, but but there's a mine there that, like there there's something there that still mines an alchemic. How do you say that? Alchemical. Alchemical metal. And it's in the name of Gibraltar still, even though it's just in the park of Gibraltar. Yeah. And this is a uh, cassiterite mine. And cassiterite is also known as tin. That is the scientific way. So what is that? The industry name. So no, we've got six. So uh, cassiterite, tin, uh, tin being represented by which one is that? Thursday. Thursday. That's Jupiter. And unfortunately, we couldn't find a steel mine for some reason. It got so far. We got so close, but no, it just stopped iron. there. It's iron. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's steel. No, I'm, I, obviously, it's a joke. I wouldn't be talking about <laughs> yeah, this I was like, Wait a if minute. we found we all had, of them. We found all of them and you blew my mind this morning. Stop it. Yeah. McCluth Steel Gibraltar Rolling Mill in Detroit, Michigan as an iron mill. OK, so that's crazy right there. There's there's literally all seven alchemy metals that are sacred that have mines all around the world in the name of Gibraltar for some All right, guys, just getting into the wild shit about Gibraltar. If you want to hear the rest of the stuff with the devil name landmarks, some more of this occult property behind Gibraltar, head on over to patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast and get the full episode. This one plus many, many more and other rants, guys. I hope to see you over there. Thanks so much. Thank you.